0: With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select.
1: You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast.
2: Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we've got a cool show today. We're going to talk about some of the best prospects in the Big 12 Conference. So Oklahoma and Texas and Iowa State and Texas Tech Tech, a lot of those schools out in the Midwest we're gonna be talking about those here today with Tony Pauline and Ben Fennel in Draft Buzz, and then we wrap it up. We've got a good question uh, from you at home, so we'll get things going here. I will let you guys know. Number one, college football season's right around the corner. The best way to support this show: go, give us a rating, leave us a comment wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're not already subscribed. Go and hit that subscribe button. We will be hitting you with content each week here throughout the college football season, always with an eye towards the NFL draft. Whether you're an Eagles fan or a fan of another team, we're covering this from a big picture standpoint, looking at these guys as they prepare for next April's draft. So uh, this will be a lot of fun over the course of next year, over the course of the next few months. This is the second year in a row we've done it all through the college football season. I've got a lot of stuff planned for you guys, different kinds of guests. Really, really excited for a different show structure as well as we get closer and closer. To the fall. All right, let's get things going here. Draft Buzz, Tony Pauline, Ben Fennell, we're talking players in the Big 12.
1: Now it's time for Draft Buzz.
2: Well, joining us once again for Draft Buzz, Tony Pauline. Tony, uh, really appreciate the time once again here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Let's talk about the Big 12. Who are the top players that we should be watching from the Midwest? And I'm going to ask you this now, the top overall prospect from the Big 12. We'll all give our, our thoughts on it, but who is your top prospect going into the year?
1: Well, i got to say, from an overall view, I think this is going to be a real down year for the Big 12. They had, what, five players selected in the top 50 last April, the year before that. You know, you had consecutive first picks of the draft coming from April. And really, I I don't have a player from the Big 12 uh, graded as a top 45 pick yet. But if I had to pick one guy, i like junior linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. He's basically what you, what everybody wants, or everyone's picking these days in a linebacker. He's a little bit undersized, six foot one, probably goes a hair under two hundred thirty pounds. He plays in the high four fives, low four sixes. He's fast in a straight line. He's explosive, getting out in space. He's terrific in pursuit. He plays with a vicious, nasty mentality. Uh, you know, plays bigger than his six foot one, two hundred and twenty nine pound frame. Uh, terrific against the pass. Terrific against pursuit. Uh, in pursuit, I should say. It's just a force up the field on the blitz, can also cover. So well, all things considered, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Murray, who would, you know, five years ago would be considered an undersized, maybe weak-side linebacker. I think in the day and age of linebackers who are taken highly because they can get from uh, point A to point B as quick as possible. When I watched the film, number nine, uh, Kenneth Murray is the guy from Oklahoma who stood out to me more than any other player in the Big 12
0: Yeah, Tony, he was also my number one uh, overall prospect in the Big 12 became the kind of leader of the defense last year, and moving into his junior year, we'll have a new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch coming over from Ohio State. Uh, was previously at Washington State. Mike Stoops leaving for Alabama, but you could see the range, the power, his ability to run side to sideline, and obviously finish ball carriers. Uh, is definitely what he hangs his hat on. Over 150 tackles last year, but in the new scheme, I guess there's a lot of question on where he's going to play. If he's going to be the Mike and kind of the plugger, whether he can be a run and chase will linebacker, or even maybe be in a kind of a hang defender off yeah. the edge rushing the passer in some instances. So he's definitely a tackling machine. He plays very aggressive and can run. So a little bit of a kind of scheme fit under the new defensive coordinator.
2: Yeah, I actually haven't watched Murray yet. So he's a guy I don't want to necessarily go full on and comment on, but I have watched one of his teammates and that's Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle for the Sooners. And he's not the best player right now in the Big 12, but I think I know you and I kind of agree on that. He's not the best player, but when I talk about what his ceiling could be, it's really exciting because you're talking about a guy who's 6'2", 305. I think he's got one-gap uh, potential in terms of his quickness off the ball, his ability to get into the backfield, but he's also really strong and he's very violent at the point of attack. So he's got some two-gap potential. He can play it a one-gap. He can get after the quarterback. He needs to learn uh, how to develop his pass-rush plan. He's not a really polished player attacking offensive linemen right now, but a guy that can line up on a number of different techniques along the defensive line. He's got the quickness. He's a freak list guy right? with Bruce Feldman uh, of the Athletic. He's listed in his freak list, so a guy that can win in a lot of different ways. I To me, very, very intriguing player. I'd like him to stay healthy for all 13 games, so hopefully more than that for the Sooners uh, this year, but a guy that really, really excites me because of his potential.
0: Interesting backstory with him as well, being a Canadian yes. and uh, Stoops actually braving a, a blizzard, I believe, to go recruit him a couple years ago. was on the freak list in back-to-back years, so definitely has the athletic upside and the explosive element. I did one of his games last year, and Mike Stoops had said he was looking for Gallimore to start faster in games. Yeah, And then there was also the element on tape, I didn't think he was finishing very well. Yep. So obviously has the tools, just really needs to kind of refine his game and start faster in games and start to finish those plays.
2: So two guys that I talked to from Oklahoma this past spring at the Combine, Marquise Brown, the obviously the first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens, and then uh, uh, Bobby Evans, the offensive lineman, both guys told me, Gallimore is going to be the breakout player next year. You know He's got to put it all together. Hopefully he's a guy that can reach his ceiling. All right, let's go uh, to the top offensive senior. Tony, uh, I bring this to you, the top offensive senior from the Big 12.
1: You know, when I look at the board, I'm just not impressed with uh, the senior class, the senior offensive class from the Big 12 uh, especially. you got a couple of offensive tackles there. I'm going to go against the grain. I like Colton McKivitz of West Virginia. I think he's been the most consistent. He's the steadiest. Uh, a quick story about Colton, uh, Colton McKivitz. Last year, I talked to Charles Menahue during the season, and he said as he prepared for the game against West Virginia, he was told that Yadney Kajust was the guy who was the, big, the, the best and the toughest uh, offensive lineman uh, from West Virginia when they played that game. If you remember that game, it went to overtime. Uh, West Virginia won in overtime. But he came out of that game just awed by Colton McKivitt. He said he was far and away the best offensive lineman he had faced all year. He was strong. He was dominant. He's consistent. I think he is a terrific right tackle prospect. I'd like to see him bend his knees a little bit more and play with more leverage. I know that scouts grade him as a fourth-round pick. I have him as a potential second-round pick. I just like the consistency. I don't think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's a guy that's going to test off the charts. But when you watch him, he's strong at the point of attack. He gets out to the second level and takes linebackers out. He's very good in pass protection, does the little things well, and gets the most from his ability. I don't think he has a high upside, but when I looked at my board, there weren't too many seniors from the offensive side of the ball in the Big 12 that have that great upside. And, you know, I don't know that we're going to see any Kyler Murrays, you know, really come out of nowhere and catch people by surprise.
0: Yeah, Tony, I'll join you on the tackle side of the conversation with uh, Texas Christian left tackle Lucas Lucas Niang, who also has played some right tackle in his career, but he's a 6'7", 328 senior, really easy mover, has light feet, good play strength, can run the arc against speed rushers, fires out of his stance with a really nice leg kick. Doesn't really get a whole lot of width on his pass sets. a little bit of a vertical setter, but with that vertical set, obviously allows a lot of stunts and twists to develop in front of him, so he's able to pass those things off. And when you put on his tape last year, Forget the whole season. Go right to the Ohio State tape earlier yep. in the season. You go watch him up against Nick Bosa, against Chase Young, yep. which seems to be a consensus top 10 pick. I thought he looked like an NFL tackle in that game no and question. really handled NFL speed and power and pitched pretty close to a shutout. Was even on the left side in some unbalanced sets. He's been training with Paul Alexander this offseason, who's a prominent uh, NFL offensive line coach. So I think definitely Lucas Niang is putting his name into the conversation and being one of the top seniors, especially in the trenches in the Big 12.
2: I, I talked with L.J. Collier uh, this spring at the combine, and obviously a first-round pick for Seattle. And Collier told me that this kid is legit. Uh, you know, with his strength, and you watch him—really heavy hands. Love his na- ability to naturally bend. He's got—he's got some athlete. He's not a a fluid, explosive athlete, but he's got really good knee bend. He's got the ability to win the leverage battle, despite the fact uh, that he's six-six and over 330 pounds. I like him best in a phone booth, and probably more of a prototypical right tackle. Um, but I agree that to me, Niang is is my top offensive senior as well, based off the guys that I've studied so far. Um, But McKivitts the guy I I do like, and I'm going to talk about him uh, here in a little bit. All right, let's get to underclassmen. Uh, Tony, your most intriguing offensive underclassman from the Big 12.
1: It was down to two wide receivers, and I went with Jalen Rager, the uh, receiver from TCU. I went with him over uh, CeeDee Lamb of Oklahoma because, number one, he's faster. He's more of a vertical threat. He's quicker. I think he's more versatile in the sense that, you can use him in the flanks, you can use him in the slot, you can use him in the run reverses. I think he's got some kick return potential at the next level. He's a guy that, it, you know, he doesn't all, just does not only just have the vertical speed, but he's a good vertical receiver. you watch him down with the long passes when TCU threw the ball downfield. He catches the ball in stride, easily adjusts to the air and throw, looks the ball in. Uh, I think he's got a high upside. You know, they don't really throw the ball all that much at TCU. It's more of a run-based offense. But when they do, it's going to Rager, and teams have trouble stopping him. So I think he's the type of guy He's not going to be six foot tall, but he's really swift, and he brings a lot of speed to the field. I've got him graded right now as a mid-third-round choice. If he continues to impress, he's a third-year junior, continues to improve, and he runs really fast, I definitely think Rager is a guy that can hop into the top 60 when he enters the draft.
2: I believe Bruce Feldman had him under 4'3". I think it was like four two nine, uh, which is you know scary speed. And, I, and Tony, it's funny you say that. I actually had both C.D. Lamb and Jalen Rager as the two guys that I would have liked to talk about. So I'm glad you brought up Rager. Uh, if you know to steal a, a scouting term that people will say. You know, I've got them both on the board. They're they're both of the the tags are touching. I've got them really really close, and I really like CD Lamb a lot. Rieger uh, is a guy really explosive, and I think he's pro- I think he's a better route runner than Lamb is right now. I give Lamb the edge uh, in terms of his toughness and play strength and his ability to play the ball in the air. Um, but really, you look at Rieger, he's got the ability to be a gadget guy as a minimum. I think he's got the ability to be a vertical receiver. wasn't really given the opportunity to do that as much. I thought the quarterback play was a little inconsistent with TCU last year, but but he he shows some advanced uh, skills as a route runner. Does a good job working in blind spots, getting corners to kind of flip their hips, and he can win the leverage battle downfield. He does a great job attacking and pushing the vertical stem, uh, trying to create that initial separation. I think Rager has got a lot of ability. I really like him. But Ceedee Lamb, Ben, you and I have talked about him, a guy that I and I don't throw these like kind of, you know these uh, comparisons around lightly. He reminds me of New Hopkins like because of the way that he plays the ball in the air. He's not the biggest guy, 6'2", 189, but his ability to just go up and win is its unique. Yeah, you can see, obviously, the body type comp with the New Hopkins there
0: being a little bit under 6'3", and kind of having that long uh, upright frame with long arms and can play above the rim, make some incredible catches along the sideline just as well.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, all right, so to bed, who do you got?
1: Yeah, Lamb is He is a terrific downfield blocker. Yeah, awesome. I mean, and that spread offense. Uh, where, where they throw a lot of receiver screens, or so Kyle, Kyler Murray was running the ball. If you really watched the film, there were a number of times where Lamb was able to get significant and important blocks down the field, to seal open the running lanes for the ball carrier, Sermon, or uh, even Kyler Murray.
0: Who's yours, I bad. So my intriguing offensive underclassmen, as much as I wanted to talk about Grant Calcutta, the big move yeah, tight end at Oklahoma. Guy. You've been talking about him since he was Reminds a freshman. me a lot of a Zach Ertz or Tyler Eifertz, Made some really impressive catches in the red zone. Just threw that in there to try to talk sure. about him for a second. But I'll stay in the receiver category with you guys and go with Oklahoma State receiver Tylan Wallace. Another good one. He, another one from that impressive 2017 recruiting class with Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Sanalt. Very deep recruiting class in 2017. But he's six foot. 185 had 1400 yards last year 12 touchdowns lines up primarily on the offense's right side rolls off the line of scrimmage good at beating press coverage and for only being six feet tall he makes some very impressive catches at the catch point maneuvering along the sideline uh, very competitive at the catch point will open up on some back shoulders a lot of Great catches over the middle of the field, some digs, some daggers. Will take some hits on slants. Very impressive with his play strength considering he's only six foot and under 190 pounds. But when you start looking at these numbers, 10-yard receptions, he had 63 last year, most in the country. 20 yard receptions he had 25 second most in the country this is an explosive receiver that can win down the field my one question going into 2019 is the quarterback taylor Mm -hmm. cornelius who made a lot of those big throws to him last year is not there anymore they have two quarterbacks working it out right now that are a little bit undersized so i'm just a little bit concerned about their ability to get the ball to him down the field but 1400 yards 12 touchdowns a bit of a one-hit wonder but obviously has the
2: upside and the ability all right, well let's uh let's flip the script here. Let's go over to the defensive side. Tony, the top defensive senior in the Big Twelve is?
1: On my board is AJ Green of Oklahoma State, the cornerback. A guy who I have just seen consistent progress the past two years. He's got NFL size, six one, one ninety five. He's gonna run in the four fours. A lot of scouts have him graded as a potential early third round pick. I think right now he's a top sixty selection. He's got terrific ball skills. If you watch the game against Texas last year, he hammered Colin Johnson, who had a major size advantage on A.J. Green. I think he's very good making plays with his back to the ball, which is something that is unusual for college cornerbacks. He's able, doesn't do a lot of face guarding, gets his head back around to locate the pass in the air, knows what's happening, has good football instincts besides the size and the ball skills. I, I think when you look at the importance of cornerback, when you look at his size, he takes the, his game to a next level, which I think is absolutely possible, especially in that conference. I think you could see AJ Green as a potential top forty-five pick next April.
2: Yeah, I'm going to stay at the cornerback position. I'm going to go with Jeff Gladney and a guy that you know comes in with a pretty high billing. You know, he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. You know, he had him at a four-three-four forty squatting six twenty, uh, benching four hundred for a hundred eighty-three pound corner. It's uh, pretty impressive numbers, but um, you you watch him. I don't know that he's got I don't know he plays to that speed and so that's probably one of my big concerns with him going into the year but this is a quick kid who really excels in off coverage he's a really smart zone defender uh, and he's he's pretty competitive too so I look at Jeff Gladney as a guy that look I don't know that I'm looking at the highest upside, maybe not even a first or second corner, but a guy that I think could come in and be a third corner for a team, whether it's an, 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 on the outside or from the inside. I think he's got a skill set that transitions well to the nickel. With was second team all conference a year ago. My guess is uh, with the clout that he's kind of built up, he'll probably be first team all Big 12 this year.
0: You know, it's kind of tough to find a defensive senior. It doesn't yes, seem it like it's as deep of a group this year. There isn't that stud edge rusher or, you know, a corner on the back end. A.J. Green is a guy I really liked. 11 PBUs last year, four picks the year before you could see the ball skills, but there's two linebackers I have my eyes on that I think are just absolutely tackling machines, and I think this year they're going to really crank up those totals and kind of get themselves in the national spotlight, and that's senior Clay Johnston at Baylor and Jordan Brooks at Texas Tech. Both kind of prototypical size, 6'1", 235. I really like Jordan Brooks. He was the team's leading tackler as a freshman, and last year as a junior, plays all over the place as an off-ball, as a hang defender, plays kind of a halfway player out in space makes a lot of plays out to the numbers and the sideline two guys that can run and chase and just crank up a lot a lot of tackles so I think uh if they stay healthy and stay on the field these guys are each going to be around 130 140 tackles I expect them both to kind of get the call up to the senior bowl and really see what they can do uh, in front of NFL eyes
2: all right well let's get to the underclassman ranks Tony uh the most intriguing defensive underclassman in the big 12 who do you got?
1: I like Trey Norwood of Oklahoma. I'm going to go back to the cornerback position. He's got average size. Goes about well. He's a tall guy, but he's a little bit thin. But he's got terrific speed. He's very effective facing the action. You can use him backed off the line of scrimmage. You can use him in zone. He covers a lot of area. His play has been a little bit spotty. But when he's playing at his upper level, he's a guy that shut down opponents. Does have some lapses in concentration. Only going to be a third-year junior. So when I was watching him last year, I was a second-year sophomore in a a, uh, defensive secondary that was really loaded a year ago at Oklahoma. A couple of guys have moved on. Uh, So I think he's going to move into the starting spot on a consistent basis, play with the first team this year. I like his upside. I like his athleticism. just a matter of, of Trey Norwood of Oklahoma polishing his ball skills.
2: All right, well, I'm going to go uh, back to TCU and uh, to a team, that obviously, defensively, they're they're known, right, under, under Gary Patterson. They're known for their defensive talent. Uh, I'm going to go with defensive tackle Ross Blacklock, who really, you know, coming into last year, he was going to be a redshirt sophomore in 2018, then he suffered an injury during uh, – it was about a year ago. It was during preseason camp, so he missed all of last season. Comes back this year. I went back, uh, Ben, you and I recently watched him from 2017 – you know, a lot of people, and I said this to Ben as I was watching, a lot of people really love Derek Brown, right, from Auburn, a guy that uh, a lot of people feel is a first-round pick. I think their games are pretty similar in terms of what they bring from uh, you know the, the positives and negatives. And I look at Blacklock, 6'4". He was listed 329. Apparently he's lost a bunch of weight, so we'll see what he looks like uh, this year in terms of uh, you know his skill set. But a guy that I thought was really strong at the point of attack, has the ability to win in the run game, want to continue to see how he can do as a pass rusher and can he offer that kind of a value. But uh, a guy that, to me, He's a very, very intriguing player and a fun player to watch. I-, I liked him a lot on tape.
0: Yeah, it was previously listed closer to 330. Apparently, he's playing closer to 300, yep. uh, which is great to see after you know having a year-long injury. Sometimes those weights can really go up and down, and uh, I'm glad it's for the better. But it yeah. uh, seems to be a bit of a changing of the guard there at TCU mm. on the defensive side of the ball. We, like you had mentioned, watched some tape of Blacklock from 2017. Arkansas tape, Stanford tape, two very pro-style offenses. I I he's a good hand- lineman, too. And he was a true freshman, and I thought he really handled himself pretty well against those big offensive lines. But I'm going to stay on the D- uh, the TCU trend here. And now that we have LJ Collier gone, Ty yep. Summers gone, Ben Bannego gone, that's 18 sacks from last wow. year gone off the defense. Obviously, Blacklock is going to get a couple of those. But they had a guy step up last year and place a Blacklock in Corey Bethley. Okay. He's a junior. He's six two. 290 Hit five sacks last year. Ten tackles for loss. He'll play some one-tech. He'll play some three-tech. But when you really watch this kid in a vacuum, he's got great bounce. He's got great hand usage. He's got a variety of tricks in getting after the passer. Definitely more of a pass rush upsider than a run stopper. Plays a great effort. Hustles to the ball. Will chase plays down the field. Just a guy that really flashed on tape in the trenches there. Being 6'2", 290, he moves a little bit better than some of those run pluggers on that front in Gary Patterson's defense. I just think there's production to be had this year on that defense, and I think guys like Blacklock and Bethley are going to really increase those sack totals, and they could have two double-digit sack guys in these two players.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that new look TCU defense this year up front. All right, Tony, uh, the biggest sleeper in the Big 12, who you got for the 2020 NFL Draft?
1: I'm going to give you a twofer, actually, both from the University of Texas, both in the defensive uh, back seven. Brandon Jones, the safety, a guy who I've liked for a couple of years now. Some scouts grade him as a uh, six rounder Some have him as an early second-rounder. Right now I've got him as a third-round choice. Decent size, 5'11", 200 pounds. Uh, plays the run tough. Very good against the, uh, against the pass. Not a, not a guy that's got great ball skills a safety that you could, you're going to consider moving over to cornerback. But he has the range and he has the ability to play free safety, to go sideline to sideline, and doesn't make bad plays when the ball's in the air. And then his teammate, outside linebacker, Jeffrey McCullough, who... You know, scouts great as a street free agent, but when you watch him play, six foot two, two hundred forty-five pounds, runs and plays in the four sevens. A smart guy, very instinctive, very explosive, covers a lot of area in, on the field. Very, very good in space. Solid against the run, but also gets good depth on uh, his pass drops. I've seen a couple of plays where you know he was he was really good when the ball's in the air. So I think McCullough, who really has been dismissed by scouts, is a guy who has the measurables and has the ability. It's just a matter of him being more consistent. And Brandon Jones, if, they, if he pulls together a p- complete game and Texas lets him do a little bit more when the ball's in the air, because te- Texas usually uses their uh, safeties sort of in a downhill zone type manner. I think Brandon Jones could also really help himself this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, pretty good track record of Texas safeties coming out of that tier over the sure. last 10 years. But we don't get to talk about the University of Kansas a whole lot, but it's the new era over there. We have Les Miles in there as a head coach, and I'm going to talk about their left tackle, Hakeem Adeniji and he's a senior he's 64 303 he's got an 84 inch wingspan massive arms started 36 games at left tackle and right tackle over the last 3 seasons but he's got a new staff new offensive line coach they even tried him out at center in the springtime really? okay. which he is isn't really a prototypical fit there it sounds like he's going to go back to his spot at left tackle for the season but he's got those long arms he's got good strength good grip strength and torque once he gets his hands on you good initial quickness and feet to run the arc and i just really i'm really interested to see the pairing with this running back Puka Williams who had a 1000 yards last year was quietly one of the more explosive and productive running backs in the Big 12 up there with Justice Hill and some of those other uh, slashers in the backfield but I just think Adeniji isn't a guy that you know isn't going to be on a national contending team or maybe even have a bowl game but he's a guy that could get a call up to the senior bowl and really impress some scouts with his length and his size
2: yeah Puka Williams if he can stay on the field you know I know they've got some there's some off the field issues there yeah. hopefully uh you know but- everything's okay from that standpoint. Um, But, Go over to a guy we actually talked about earlier and that, Tony. Uh, I believe he was your number one uh, senior in the Big 12, and that's Colton McKivitz, a guy that I feel I a, little, a little bit of a sleeper because not a lot of people are talking about him. Last year, uh, you mentioned it. Everyone talked about the left tackle. I'm, I was I actually kind of like McKivitz a little bit more over on the right side. 6'6", 3'10", uh, upcoming redshirt senior. I wanted to see him get stronger. He didn't have a great anchor on film, but former high school basketball player was actually all-state in the state of Ohio back in high school. But light feet, knows how to use his length. I want to see him continue to improve. But uh, if he can keep developing his body, I see a future starter uh, at, at uh, left tackle or right tackle. Obviously, Liadnikajuced the uh, the left tackle for the Mountaineers last year. All right, uh, most to prove, Tony. Who's the mo- Who has the most to prove of any player, any prospect in the Big 12 this year?
1: On my board, is going to be Terrence Steele, the left tackle for Texas yep. Tech. I mean, there are some scouts that grade him as a top 75 pick. I just don't see it. I mean, the guy's got excellent size. at six yep. foot six, three hundred five pounds. He's got incredibly long arms, but he's not really athletic. He's not really fluid, doesn't bend all that well, doesn't show great footwork and pass protection, plays left tackle. You know, Is he going to be able to stay there at the next level? Is he going to do enough to stay in the top 100? These are questions that when I watch Terrence Steele play, I like him, and, I, and I've graded him as a, uh, a uh, mid-left-day pick, but I just don't see him as the top 75 choice that a lot of scouts have stamped him with yet.
0: Yeah, my most approved is actually going to go back to one of your more talented players in the conference. That's Jalen Rieger at Texas, You're a hater. Texas Christian. <laughs> I just think he's a little bit in between positions right now. Yeah. I think he should be used more like a gadget in the backfield, find easier ways to get him the ball. I thought his reps as a slot receiver left a little bit to be desired. I thought he struggled in some contested catch situations. I thought when the ball got on him quick, he had a couple concentration drops. And I'm just a little bit concerned on throwing these verticals outside the numbers to a 5'11 receiver, so... I'd like to see him used over the middle of the field more. I see a Curtis Samuel style of player. I see a Brandon Cook style of player. But I've also seen you know, the DJ Fosters of the world and the kid from Virginia last year, Zacchaeus, yep. uh, who's a similar type of down-the-field gadget player. Well, apparently so. he's having a
2: good camp, by the way.
0: Yeah, I've heard. Um, <laughs> but And also the thing with TCU, I thought the quarterback did not do him any favors yes. last year. No, I just think they weren't no, able to get true. on the same page with accuracy. And Rieger could end up being a better pro if he gets with a good, accurate quarterback. He knows how to get himself open. And I just think he needs to prove his positional fit for scouts at the next level.
2: Yeah, I, I see. I, I like Rieger, and I, I think he's got a lot of ability, obviously. And I, I think he's he showed a little bit more from like as a route runner than I expected to, based off what I had known uh, going in. I'm going to stick at receiver, and I'm going to stick in the state of Texas. I'm going to go with Colin Johnson, uh, who was obviously one of the biggest names coming back uh, to the entire country this year. I mean, 6'5", 221 pounds, a unique size for a wide receiver. We've seen we've had this discussion a lot about big receivers in the NFL draft. You know, do they go a little bit lower than where people project? I mean, everybody thought Hakeem Butler was going to be a first-round pick or a second-round pick. Ends up falling to the fourth round. I think when you look at Colin Johnson, you see a guy with great size. He shows flashes as a route runner. I want to see a little bit more consistency at the catch point. Um, I think he's got to prove himself in terms of his speed and quickness. There are times where he looked really efficient at the top of a route. There are other times. Where he didn't look so efficient, that might be a route running aspect, it might be a physical limitation. So I want to continue to see more. Uh, obviously a very accomplished player. I to me I looked at him as like a Devin Funches type of player, and you know it's easy to say. You look at these big receivers. There's only a few of them right now that you point to. That if you're not a freak athlete, if you're not a Julio Jones, AJ Green, you know one of those guys. You know, you're going to get the same set of comps, and Funchess is one of those guys. I look at Colin Johnson's guy. If you as the guy, no more little Jordan Humphrey. You've got Devin Duvernay on the other side. I actually like Duvernay a little bit, uh, different kind of skill set. But Colin Johnson to me, big boy receiver, go play big boy football. I want you to see. I want to see you dominate at the catch point this year. All right, uh, newcomer. You know,
1: it's, not, it's not and it's not just big receivers. It's big receivers from the Big Twelve. Right. I mean, you right. mentioned yeah, little yeah, Jordan Humphrey, Hakeem Butler, yep. Alan Lazard. Right. I, yep. I mean, you know it's. If these guys are six foot five and, and they've got a size advantage, but they can't run. They've got no quickness. They've got no ability to separate. All they do is basically physically – and I like Colin Johnson as a receiver. And he came into the season with huge grades from scouts who think he's a potential top-40 choice. Uh, but I just think you've got to learn from experience. And, and the, you know, the guys I just mentioned, all from the same conference, all similar type of players, really, except for Hakeem Johnson, who uh, obviously was the fourth-round pick this year – he didn't make a dent in the NFL draft. Yeah,
2: well, that's, that's a very good point. All right, Tony, let's go. Last category now. Newcomer on the scene. Who's a guy, whether it's a transfer or someone that's replacing a draft pick, you know, a new player, a junior college player. Who's the newcomer on the scene for you in the Big 12?
1: Well, I, I think this is a name that's going to be redundant amongst the three of us. It's got to be Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's going to have his opportunity now. He's going to have a, a, another opportunity at Oklahoma to run that wide-open system. You know he did well last year when he replaced Tagliovoa in the SEC title game. He came through for the for the uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, you, you know he, he's got decent grades by scouts. I mean scouts right now have graded him as a uh, as a fifth round, early fifth round, early early or late fourth round selection, which is pretty good considering that some people said you know he was he was never going to be an NFL prospect not uh, when he was after his freshman season. So I, I think in that system that is so wide open. And really, with defenses that are not that good, especially from the pass rush point of view, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is the newcomer, and he's going to have his opportunities this year at uh, Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, I would, To me, it's it's Jalen Hurts. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, there was the the SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman in 2016. You know, every every list you would see from that season, he was at the top of it. Uh, you know, six one, just over 220 pounds. How is he going to look in this offense? Because this is a guy that I think a lot of the questions people had, can he win from the pocket? Can he win as a thrower? Is he that kind of player or is he going to run first quarterback? Uh, that's been the the kind of the knock on him. And you watch them uh, early in his career. There's a reason why they felt confident saying, you know what, it's a national title game. This guy won us one a year ago. He took us here to the second one. Let's go to Tua. I I think that there's something to that. I will also say, too, I, I'll be interested to follow this narrative with him uh, going into, into the draft next year. How many people, if he puts up big numbers in this system with Lincoln Riley, will say, yeah, but let's go back to the Alabama film. Let's go back to when it was more of a pro-style look. And they weren't all pro-style last year, but even to the early stuff – how did he look in that kind of a system? Well, we'll see. I'm a big, big Jalen Hurts fan, though. Just for uh, to me, like one of the most inspiring, uh, you know, stories. Like if, for for my son when he's older, like to say like that's how you're. Uh, you know, if you want to be a good teammate, like that's what. Go look at Jalen Hurts. Read about Jalen Hurts. To me, like what he did over the last 18 months at at Alabama. That's awesome. That's great I'm interested to
0: see how he's getting incorporated to the offense because I don't think he's the passer of a Baker Mayfield. Or Kyler, I don't think his arm is as live as Kyler. I don't think he's the explosive athlete that Kyler was, but he's a little bit of everything there. So I'm interested to see on what play personality he ends up uh, using in the offense. But I'll mix it up just a little bit. Okay. This offensive lineman, Parker Braun, is a grad transfer to the University of Texas coming from Georgia Tech. He had started 32 of the last 36 games, was a two-time first-team All-ACC, three time all academic, He was a freshman all-American a couple years ago. He got on Phil Steele's list as a uh, first team preseason all Big 12. So he's a guy that's going to show up to Texas and nice pick. Yeah, right. he's he, obviously he's new on the scene there. There's all these other transfers and freshmen around the country, but a grad transfer looking like he's going to come in and start right away. I think he has a chance to kind of work his name into being maybe a day 2 conversation offensive lineman.
2: He would have been seen as a huge project going into the NFL if he had gone last year. Right. Now going to Texas, you know, I hope he does too much Stock. Obviously, you no can see
0: his scheme at Georgia Tech. The triple option, obviously, is no more. But going over to Texas and in just a different scheme will give scouts another kind of view on what he can do in NFL offenses.
2: Well, Tony, uh, we're, we're back next week for the Pac-12, our final conference preview. Looking forward to, to chatting with you about the West Coast guys next week. We'll speak with you then. Well, just great stuff there from both Tony and from Ben, and you can count on hearing from both of them on a weekly basis this year on the Journey to the Draft podcast once again. We'll start every episode this year with our Saturday scouting segment with Ben. Ben's going to be going on the road very soon here uh, for college football games every single week, so we'll be talking about not only his matchup, where he's going this week, but also who he saw a week ago, some of the other big storylines around the college football world, and then also Tony. Bringing the heat. He's always got some nuggets throughout the course of the calendar year. Tony brings the, is the best because he is always breaking stuff about who's going to declare, who's rising up boards. He'll break it so early in the fall that by the time the news actually hits later, People will break it again because they forget that Tony did it weeks before, sometimes months beforehand. Tony, uh, one of the best in the biz in terms of being able to release that knowledge way before uh, the rest of the media. So, Tony, uh, always a welcome guest here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. All right, we have one question. Like I said earlier, the number one way to support the show. And really, when I say that, what does that mean, support the show? To get us boosted up the rankings so that other people, when they're looking for similar kinds of content, similar kinds of podcasts, they say, hey, this Journey to the Draft podcast, what's this about? It's boosted up the rankings so you'll see it more, uh, more frequently and earlier than other shows. The best way for that to happen is for you to leave a rating and leave a comment. It shows uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, all those other platforms, hey, these people are listening to the show and they like it. So if you want to support the show... Really, I ask you, do exactly what Richard did. Richard went on, left that five-star rating. He's left a five-star rating before, but leaves a comment, leaves a question. Then we answer it here on the show, and here's Richard's question, and it goes to what we just finished talking about with Tony and Ben. Do you see a role for Jalen Hurts in the NFL? If so, what would it be? Thank you, Fran. So when I look at Jalen Hurts personally, you know I haven't done a full study of him, but I will say, having studied Alabama prospects over the last few years, they've had a few guys coming out uh, into the NFL over the last three years since uh, he's been on campus. You know, I, I've struggled trying to see the projection for Jalen as a quarterback to the NFL, especially early on. Now, I do want to go back and watch the the mop-up duty from last year, watch him when he stepped in, when Tua got hurt late in the season. I haven't studied that as of yet, uh, but we're going to see a big dose of, of Jalen Hurts in this offense here with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. He's going to operate a, an offense that's a little bit different, Things are very well defined, and that was one of the knocks for Baker Mayfield and for Kyler Murray. Things are very well defined for the quarterback in this offense with Lincoln Riley, and they do a great job. It's outstanding coaching, outstanding game planning, finding matchups, getting receivers open, making things a little bit easier for them to get through progressions and find the open receiver. I think when you look at Jalen Hurts, he's going to benefit from that, but we're going to see the arm talent. Does he have the ability uh, to you know make all the throws in an NFL offense? And does he have the ability to play within structure, play within the pocket, make Go through reads, first and second and third progressions, and find the open receiver. Even if it is a little bit simpler in that scheme, it will be good to see him operate that at a high level. Because remember, you go back to like a Jared Stidham, right? Back in the, this past spring, coming out of Auburn. By the way, Stidham has looked great so far, at least from what I've seen from preseason action with the New England Patriots. The question with Stidham was, hey, he he's operating a, an offense that in you know in NFL in NFL terms, very very simple, right? Very simple with what they were asking the quarterback to do. And he didn't execute the offense always to a very high level. So that was the question. It's was like, look, this guy's got all the talent in the world. But this is a simple offense, and he's not doing a great job executing it. What's the disconnect here? If we could see Jalen Hurts go to Oklahoma and operate that offense at a high level, he doesn't necessarily need to win the Heisman like the two guys did in the past two years. But uh, if he can continue to operate that offense, keep that well-oiled machine going with threats like Grant Calcaterra and C.D. Lamb and the rest of the weapons there in that Sooner offense, I think that will do a lot for him. Tony said that some scouts already see him in the fourth round we'll see if you know if he goes a little bit later than that or if he's able to boost his stock a little bit that'll be one of the big storylines of course going into this college football season. All right, I think that'll do it. Uh, Another show in the books here for the Journey to the Draft podcast. It's been a lot of fun. We've got one more conference preview next week. We're going to go out west to the Pac-12. That's where the Eagles uh, dug in for their first-round pick in Andre Dillard, one of their second-round picks in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. We'll see if they, uh, they decide to go back out west. Who are the big players out there on the left coast? We'll talk about that next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.